on this week's episode of Today I Would Like to Share. The first one you should try is to burn your head. Unsinkable Sam. The intersection between a giant snake, the summer solstice, ancient humans, and Ohio. Hello and welcome to Today I Would Like to Share, where we take some time out of our busy lives to share the things important to us. My name is Kyle, and with me today, he locked himself in the tool shed a decade ago, and now he refuses to leave. Jordan. You know, it takes a lot of dedication to be the biggest tool in the world. <laughs> I'm sure it takes up all of your time. And also, it's been a while, but I think I've finally proven he is a zombie. Andrew. What gave it away? I mean, was it that most of my arm is missing, or is it just the smell? Um... It's actually the, the, the green tint to your skin. Oh, oh okay. I kind of yeah. thought I was passing myself off as like, uh, I don't know, maybe jaundice. Irish yeah. or <laughs> jaundice. <laughs> what? Or... <laughs> Irish don't just have green skin, my dude. <laughs> oh, I've never been there. I don't know. <laughs> oh, fair Wait, have you yeah, been there, Kyle? <laughs> no, no, I, I haven't. haven't so. so you don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Well, anyway, what's up with you guys? Not, uh you know it's, it's a weird just, question to ask because we've been talking like every day yeah <laughs> i've just been out you know shaking hands high-fiving meeting yeah. people just you know generally being a good american right right <laughs> <laughs> no i've been uh in my house isolated yeah. doing nothing i have been working but now my store's closing down until further notice so it's simultaneously cool and kind of spooky but eh, it's whatever i have been and will forever be working the same amount <laughs> also, of hours yeah i've still <laughs> been working but you know i've found that i have now have more time to just kind of stare into the empty void than <laughs> i started getting into uh warhammer 40k miniatures and I think I've spent somewhere around 200 to $300 on them. I don't know if you guys just watched me in the camera, but I just pulled out a huge, long amber hair from my I beard. I saw that. <laughs> Very nice. That was impressive. But, yeah. Yeah, Warhammer's a expensive hobby. That's why yeah. I've never gotten into it. But it's fun. So, no complaints. <laughs> it's just... I, I caught a bug, and now it's dangerous. So... Oh, well, now you have a lot of time to paint them all. Yeah, exactly. I just painted <laughs> two today. Hell yeah. I'm still waiting on some materials here to make a DIY dip, but uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. But uh, I mean, with all that out of the way, you all, you all want to jump into it? I'd you love know. to have some things shared with me, that's for sure. Awesome. It's been a long well, time since I've had things shared with yeah, me. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Um... So, uh, before we start recording, Andrew, you're telling me how you have such a bad headache, right? Uh, well, it's probably the worst one I've ever had. Right, yeah. yeah. Like a hot poker is just tickling mm. my brain right now. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because um, I have here a bunch of headache cures from ancient Whoa. times. Thank God. Yeah, it's like super convenient, right? This is perfect timing. <laughs> So, um, why don't you go gather all the sharp and hot objects in your apartment because you're going to be kind of surprised by some of these. But um, oh. the first one you should try is to burn your head. 
Wow. Um, so, Aratus uh, yeah. of Cappadocia, uh, who is an ancient Greek philosopher, said that um, you should take a hot iron or whatever they had, some pokers, and then burn this, burn your scalp down to the muscle. You shouldn't, you shouldn't burn the muscle, because if you do, then it's gonna uh, cause some cramping and make the headache worse, you know. But but burn it all the way down to the muscle. And if you're gonna burn down to the bone, you should do it somewhere without muscle, just so you don't hurt it. So, uh, what? yeah, why don't you go ahead and try that right now? Oh no. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, skip out on that one. <laughs> but uh, this this uh, philosopher also said that shaving your head, which is good for your head anyway, um, I, I don't understand why that'd be good for your head, but it's whatever. So yeah, burning your head. The second of which is uh, you should place a dead mole on your head. Oh. <laughs> because uh, honestly, I read through this bit on the website I was reading, and I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, who is this? This was oh man, this this is a heck of a name. Ali Ibn Issa Al Kahal, who was an occultist, so you know he's legit. Uh, but this comes from the 10th century. Um, in which you just take a dead, uh, a dead mole and put it on your head, and your 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 headache should go away. You have any dead moles hanging around? Uh, I don't, but I feel like headaches are pretty common, so they must have slaughtered a crap ton of moles <laughs> back in the day. Uh, so the third thing you can try, and get this, this one actually sounds kind of normal. Um, run a bath, and then sweeten that water up with something like honey. Because as you know, honey uh, absorbs the vapors that create headaches. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, right? Well, I mean, this one is the closest to letting me believe it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and the next one is if that if that honey bath doesn't work, just go ahead and grab some electric eels and then put them <laughs> in the water with you. <laughs> Which this one is like I don't know, the closest one to making sense. Cause like the brain's all electricity and stuff, right? Which these people probably didn't know because this is from way back when, but uh, it's definitely and this. Uh, this comes from the Dutch Society of Sciences um, from 1762. So okay, they knew about electricity, I think, in 1762. Ben Franklin was flying kites, but um, yeah, and so uh, and this is they they actually came up with this uh, around slaves. So the the quote from it is. When a slave complains of a bad headache, he has them put one of their hands on their head and the other on the fish, and they and they thereby will be helped immediately, without exception. Uh, Which, yeah, uh, so you get shocked once, and you're asked if the headache has gone away, you and you're just like, okay, do yes. I want to get shocked again, or am I going to lie about this headache? You're going to lie about that headache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, if electricity doesn't do it for you, the last thing you can do is tree panning, which I didn't really know what tree panning was when I looked this up. So uh, to tree pan is a verb, which means to perforate a person's skull with a tree pan. So start putting holes in your head, dude. Just get an iron stake and just start pounding away. 
because if there's too much pressure in your head, you got to let some of that pressure out, right? So you just poke a hole. It's like a balloon. You poke a little hole and all the air goes out. You'll be feeling fine in no time. If a little brain falls out too, that's no big deal. You weren't using that bit of brain anyway, obviously, oh, no. if it wanted to get out. The treatment never properly went away, but it did fall out of fashion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, according to this website, which is mentalfloss.com, um, which is the cavemen around in the 8th century BC put holes in their skulls to alleviate pressure on the brain without a care for the damage they were they would be doing to their bodies. The treatment never properly went away, but it only fell out of fashion. I don't is whenever people talk about like the really long before times, it's hard to believe anything anybody says. It's like I, I don't know, like how you know cavemen be putting skulls be putting holes in their skulls. I couldn't tell you. I mean, maybe they have a fossilized skull with like yeah drill shaped holes in it or yeah, something. That's true. But also, it's like, without any care for the damage they were doing to their bodies, like, it's not like they didn't have pain receptors when they were <laughs> cavemen. I'm sure they, they cared. They're like, God damn, this hurts. I hope this actually helps. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say. Like, well, they were old, ancient <laughs> cavemen, so they couldn't have cared. I think it's, I think it's weird. Like, how bad does your head have to hurt for you to start putting holes in it? Right. I mean, it's got to be a headache that is worse than the pain you get from drilling a hole in your head, right? <laughs> mm, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I wouldn't be drilling a hole in my head. I, as soon as the drill hit my head, I'd be like, oh, you know what? That's worse. That's worse. That's a lot worse. Let's not move <laughs> forward with this. Uh, um, so, Andrew, tell me, uh, is your headache gone? Because if it isn't, I'm going to put you in a bathtub full of eels. Uh, yeah, feels great. Cool. First treatment, great. <laughs> without exception, I feel fine. I'm glad your headache's cured. <laughs> Thanks for the treatment. <laughs> um, so, uh, I have a question for y'all, and because I know everybody has a story relating to this. What is the worst headache you've ever had? Migraines count. That's a headache. Mine was like. Literally four or five days ago. Yeah, which is why I looked up this stuff, because you had that migraine. Yeah. <laughs> which I've... you had it at work, which sucks, dude. Well, the weird thing, like, I could feel it coming the day before, mm -hmm. and I got on to play some video games I probably shouldn't have, which probably didn't help it at all. But that night, man, like, couldn't sleep. That was just pounding, just, just terrible. Eventually, I took some painkillers and kind of fell asleep after a little mm. while, but... Then it was kind of just lingering, like, most of the day the next day. And then it kind of just went away. But it lasted probably about, I don't know, 14 hours. And then it, mm -hmm. I, it was still there, like, lingering for a couple of days. But obviously yeah. it's, it's better now. It's not there yeah, anymore. Yeah, the, the post-migraine the post headache. Those yeah. things suck. <laughs> it's not fun, man. Yeah, because you'll stick around for a while, too. So, Andrew? Uh, I can't say I've had, like, one real memorable right. headache, but whenever I have really bad ones, they're always from caffeine withdrawal. Mm. I don't yeah, drink okay. a lot of caffeine, but occasionally I do get into, like, a habit of drinking it because, like, work's super busy or for whatever reason, and then as soon as I stop, I always get terrible headaches that don't respond to, like, Tylenol mm -hmm. or anything like that. Literally, the only thing that will make that kind of headache go away for me is 
either waiting or having some caffeine. Yeah. I've had a couple times where I've gotten to the caffeine point where I'm drinking like three energy drinks in the morning to, to function. And whenever I get there, which has happened several times, but um, I go, okay, yeah, it's time to stop. And then I quit caffeine cold turkey. And I don't get those headaches, which I think I am just blessed by the caffeine gods that I can just do that and not have just like crippling headaches from it. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's awesome. But yeah, it is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So even if I only have like, Strolling. if I go a long time without caffeine and I have just a little bit, I'll get a headache, like mm-hmm. even maybe later that day after it's completely gone through my system. Yeah. Same here. Uh,. I have two. One's just super quick. Uh, and that was, I got a migraine. It was so bad, my legs went numb. And Yikes. that was kind of weird. But um, the other one was the first migraine I ever had. Because I get the ones where you have, uh, it, it's nicknamed Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, where you start getting what are called auroras, which are just like minor uh, ocular hallucinations, where it just, everything gets really blurry. It's hard to focus on anything. You really only see stuff out of the corner of your eye. And I got the first one when I was 16. This was my first migraine ever. And I was at work. So I just, I couldn't see anything. And I'm blind in one eye. So, like, I normally can't see a lot of stuff anyway. But, like, all of a sudden, my one good eye went super blurry. And I couldn't see anything. And I was kind of spooked. So I just sat down and waited for a while. And then all of a sudden, it kicked in. And it was just, like, the worst thing I ever felt. You feel hot and cold at the same time. And I just mm-hmm. remember, like, being so goddamn confused about what was going on. Because, like, all of a sudden, hey, I can see again. Oh, God, my head. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of spooked by that. And luckily at the time, well, this is kind of weird. I was dating a girl who had chronic migraines. Um, so as soon as I told her about it, she goes, oh, you're just having a migraine. Like, put a cold water bottle of water in your head and push back on your eyes, and that should help you out some. I'm like, all right, cool. I finally got to sleep, and it went away. But, yeah. Headaches Yikes. suck. They do. We can all we can all agree on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, brain freezes suck too. Yeah. Every time I get one, I'm reminded about how bad they are. Yeah. Because when I like, I was like, "Oh, brain freezes aren't that bad. Your head's cold for a little bit." It's like a five second migraine. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> it's like a five second migraine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always worth it, though, because they come with ice cream. They come with popsicles. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to not eat that stuff. So. Right. Exactly. We, Whatever. I'll take the brain freeze. I'll take it. We a have a friend slurpee. who's never gotten a brain freeze before. I think it's Mitch. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Mitch has ever never gotten has? brain freeze. Yeah. We need to hold ice cubes on the roof of his mouth. <laughs> that's, uh, that's weird. <laughs> that might be that might be assault. Hold you guys, on. <laughs> one of you hold down their arms, uh, his arms. The other one holds down his legs, and the last one will be holding ice cubes at the top. Mitch is pretty head. fucking strong. I don't know if I can yeah, hold his arms down. Yeah, probably stronger than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's three of us and one of him. That's true. <laughs> Very true. I still don't want to try. No, that's, I'm pretty sure that's assault. So. Well, oh, man, that just reminded me of a dumb story that uh, from high school. And where um, it was one of our friend's birthdays. And for his birthday, we were going to kidnap him, throw him in a car, and then just go to a movie. Um, so we got, like, 
like black pillowcases, some rope, and uh, we we <laughs> were stupid enough to kind of spread it around school a little bit. So it actually eventually got to him. So he's already like waiting for us when we got there. So we didn't actually end up doing it. But we even called his mom and asked him, asked her if it was okay if we hog tied her son and threw him in a van and took him away. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. I was like, all right, cool, thanks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unfortunately it never happened. But trying to uh, overpower Mitch, because Mitch was one of the people. It was me, Mitch, and Mitch's brother. And we were trying to uh, uh, kidnap uh, Matt, the, the one that's our age. Nice. You know, I always think like, and this is just, you know, intrusive thoughts, that morbid stuff that comes into your mind. But it's mm -hmm. like, what if you do this elaborate pl prank where you kidnap somebody and there's an accident where like something happens to him? How oh, do you explain God. to the cops that you like hogtied this guy, put a no, book no, no, over no, his no, head no, and no, it was no, just no, a prank? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, it's just a prank. I know what this looks like, but... <laughs> This looks like a premeditated murder, but it's Man. probably just a prank, right? <laughs> and your friend who you kidnapped would probably be pissed off to the point where he'd be like, yeah, I don't know these people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, that's your ancient headache cure. Wow. Thanks for sharing, Kyle. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Always happy Feel to better share. already. I'll keep those in mind next time. I'll let you know how they go. Today, I would like to share something called Unsinkable Sam. Um, Hold up. Did you say Sam? Like S-A-M? Yes. Okay. Unsinkable Sam. You guys, have you ever heard of this? You know what it is? Um, I think Unsinkable Sam is the bastard brother of Scuba Steve. From Big Daddy, <laughs> in which Scuba Steve goes under the water, Sam never goes under the water. Okay, I wish that was right. I wish <laughs> it was. Um, I think it's a guy named Sam who's never and refuses to ever own a sink, and. <laughs> There's never going to be a building this guy lives in that has six. He's not going to use them. It's a creed, all right, and he's sticking to it. Oh, God. Somehow, you are right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> somehow, you guys always come up with better things than the actual thing, though. It's amazing. But anyways, Unsinkable Sam as actually a cat. And his actual name is Oscar. But he goes by okay. Unsinkable Sam. <laughs> Jesus. But anyways, this cat has a pretty... Had had a pretty remarkable life. As you know with the past animals that you guys mm. have heard about on this right. podcast. Right. Um, does, this, but this, does this one have an honorary position in the military or operate a multi-million dollar company? <laughs> it does not have an honorary position. However... It did serve during World War Two with mm. both the Kriegsmarine, which is a, a German army, and then it also okay. served the Royal Navy. Wow! And the amazing well, thing up. about so 
it fought with the Axis and Allied powers? Correct. <laughs> Man, it's a traitor-ass cat. <laughs> well, the amazing thing about this cat is it survived not one, not two, but three shipwrecks. What? Oh, my God. I'm talking this is a badass pirate cat. I'm talking these <laughs> ships just obliterated, sank. Everybody died on them, but this cat. Wow. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, the HMS Kazak, which was, uh, I believe, it was part of the Royal Navy, uh, mm-hmm. found this cat just floating on a piece of ship debris towards the land. So they went and picked it up, put it on their ship. Later on, that ship sank as well. Same exact thing. It was just floating what? floating away on a piece of ship debris, and somebody else found him, and so on and so forth. Same thing happened. After the last shipwreck, um, he finally made his way to land, stayed on land, and lived a happy life, and fortunately did not die because of water. Just died of natural causes. Mm. There's not really a whole lot of information about this cat, and some people are obviously very skeptical for Mm. obvious reasons. But I thought it was kind of remarkable, and I just kind of wanted to share. That's a cool-ass cat, man. Yeah, man. That's what I was thinking, so. How did... Ah, man. How did what? I wonder if it got buried at sea, you know? Like, I know it died from natural causes on land, but... Don't you think, just based on this cat's legacy, that it deserved a proper naval burial? I think so. Yeah. I think they should have. I agree. Should push, put it on a single uh, plank of wood and floated it out in the ocean. They should have put it. it. Yeah, exactly. Man, that's... Uh, like the Viking it was. So, it's known as Unsinkable Sam, but... Why isn't it known as like bad luck lucky where it's like because every ship it went on sank, you know? True. It's like, <laughs> you sure that cat's not a bad omen as opposed to like mm-hmm. an unsinkable cat? Yeah, that's interesting. It's one way to look at it. Or, you know, I kind of like the unsinkable side of it though because it's not this cat's damn fault that these humans don't know how to operate the boats, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> This cat's just out long for the well, ride. It's trusting two, the humans on two, board to get it to yeah. where it needs to go safely. Two of the ships were hit by torpedoes and blew up. Mm-hmm. So and... they were noobs and they couldn't dodge torpedoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyways, um, the reason it had the name Unsinkable Sam, even though its name was Oscar, um, <laughs> the... Wait, what? Never mind. I was reading something wrong. I'm going to cut this part out. But, pee-pee. I'm just putting stuff in because you're cutting it out anyway. But and pee, I'm keeping those. <laughs> those are just going to go somewhere random. People are going to be like, what the shit? Also, I just want to add, it sounds like that cat's a war criminal. So maybe it should have went to cat prison. It is a war criminal. <laughs> it's a traitor, man. If, yeah. If it would have been, how did, how did the Royal Navy not know it was a German cat? Come on. <laughs> True, yeah. Burying the weed a little bit. Double agent cat. Double. <laughs> you mentioned that article. That's a great article. Uh, that's a pretty good article. But anyways, uh, I don't... Well, I guess I do have a question. Like, 
what the hell do you think was going through this cat's mind after it was just floating <laughs> in a piece of debris for the third time? It's like, oh that's... shit, here we go again. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking earlier. Like, I don't know, man. It just... <sighs> Have you ever put a cat in water? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get it. them. It's hard to get them back in it, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, but imagine this cat. It's like floating on a plank three, three goddamn times. It's just unbelievable. Um, yeah. But as far as it, what's going through its head, probably, um, you know that cat, that that pathetic meow, meow that cats do when they're yeah. distressed, like. <laughs> that's what I think was going through its head. Hopefully, I at least have like a little volleyball friend to keep itself company. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it ever on a boat that didn't sink? That's what I wonder. Maybe you just thought that's how the boats worked. That by the third time, it's just like, well, this is how you get home. You you, you get blown up. You sit for a while. Someone else comes pick you up, and that's how boats work. <laughs> how did it survive? How did it survive? Like a boat sinks. I, I I'm assuming all the seamen just like float on their life craft but like i don't know that's broken pieces of ship that's yeah. floating or yeah debris or just paddled paddled like a cat's never paddled before yeah i don't know i mean maybe you know how like right before like an earthquake hits you'll see like in video footage like the animals all run and yeah. then people are looking around, and they're like, what's going on? And then they feel yeah. the shockwave coming. I mean, maybe cats have radar for missiles so we don't know about. And, uh, you know, yeah. it saw it on the radar way before the humans did. It got right. into a secure position. Which you don't know that, that this cat was a comm specialist. Well, I mean, it's already a double agent. So <laughs> yeah, yeah it needs to be a comm the... specialist so it can report back to its, to its, uh, um, its real military <laughs> this is the james bond of cats that we're talking about here yeah what if the what if the germans blew up their own ship and like pushed the cat out towards the british and put like a little, put like a little a wire on them and then they blew up the ship to get them back maybe they didn't blow up a ship maybe they just put out shipwreck parts oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah okay yeah. okay okay yeah and then they got the wire back and they got into. I'm imagining a cat with one of those like uh, special agent like earpieces, <laughs> and it's just making me Meow. laugh. <laughs> it's, it looks at its little cat wrist, and there's a little watch there, and it hits it, and a little laser shoots out. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then it chases the laser around. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, where's that uh... coming from? <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, that's um, unsinkable Sam. Oh, that's awesome. I just googled special agent cat, and this is the picture I found. That's funny. It's an FBI badge with a cat picture on it and then a cat behind it. <laughs> uh, fun Come stuff. Here, cat. Secret agent. Come here, the cat. Well, anyway, thanks for sharing, man. That was um, that was catacular. Thanks for listening. I didn't really know how to talk about it because there's not a lot of information, so I just threw it out there. <laughs> we, yeah, we just made cat double agent puns, so we got there. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We did it, boys. 
cat double agents are the best. Yeah. It would, and it works so well because cats fuck with you no matter what. So like, how are you supposed to know that a cat is double agenting you, or just being a dick? I feel like most cats are probably double agents. To mm. be honest, I, the word for that is espionage. <laughs> I forgot your cats, it your cats are definitely du- double agents. Maybe it makes sense. I mean, maybe cats can't be trusted to to serve any higher. You know, authority. They're just independent agents. <laughs> I promise you I'll never serve under a cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo, I got my cat addicted to beef jerky yesterday. What? Yeah, I gave I gave one of them some beef jerky. And it was just, like, it had a bite. And then it was just like, give me more. And it just started, like, trying to shove its head in the bag. And, like, I closed it. And then it just, like, it just sat on top of it and, like, tried to claw it open. So I had to put it away in a cabinet. That's but that, crazy. That cat, and it was just like doing the pathet- the pathetic meow the whole time, like give me beef jerky. So You're, you should sleep with one eye open. I think <laughs> once it gets a taste of beef jerky, there's no telling what it will do to get another. <laughs> so we started like calling Sasquatch. it beef cat. <laughs> Good old beef cat. Today, I would like to share with you the intersection between a giant snake, the summer solstice, ancient humans, and Ohio. <laughs> you're right. You're amazing right. Intersections. People, people in Ohio definitely are out of this time. That's right. You guys guessed it. <laughs> Today, I'd like to share... With you, the astronomical significance of Serpent Mound in Adams County, Ohio. Hmm. Are you guys familiar with Serpent Mound or the Great Serpent no. Mound? No idea. Oh. Well, it's in Ohio. Um, it's a three-foot-high prehistoric effigy mound on the plateau of the Serpent Mound crater. Uh, it runs along the Ohio Brush Creek in Adams County, Ohio. It's the largest serpent effigy in the world, and not the only one, in case you were wondering. Uh, <laughs> I was, actually. <laughs> and it conforms to the curve of the land which it rests on, with its head approaching a cliff above the stream, and the serpent winds back and forth for more than 800 feet with seven coils, and it ends in a triple-coiled tail. Uh, so it's this giant uh, mound uh, designed like a serpent, uh, that is prehistoric, and it's really cool. Uh, just in its own like nature, it, it is a cool f- structure, and it's interesting to look at. But there's also something even more significant about it than just the impressiveness of the design itself, and that is that the head of the serpent uh, approaching the cliff is directly pointed at this niche in the hill on the horizon, and every summer solstice. Uh, on that night the sun sets directly in that niche in the hill so this snake is on a natural ridge and its head is naturally oriented uh, to the point where the sun hits this little niche in the summer solstice 
And then some human being a long time ago noticed that this ridge like already lines up and they basically created Serpent Mound as a way to memorialize that and show people like, hey, look the direction the snake's looking on the summer solstice. The sun will perfectly align with the earth in this little niche in the horizon. And this is where, you know, sky meets earth. Um, and it's just a really cool uh, thing to think about. Like these ancient humans had astronomical information and they wanted to uh you know convey that in some way there's some evidence that shows like some of the coils from the snake possibly also align with like some lunar solstice stuff um so it was like a way to just put that information down uh to pass it along to people but then also just like there was already this natural phenomenon happening on this ridge that they wanted Mm -hmm. to memorialize like this is a spot where you can see the summer solstice start and see the connection between what's above us uh to what's below um so I just think it's a really cool place. Um, and it's also kind of like not the only example of this type of memorialization of, you know, the summer solstice or, you know, heaven and earth. Stonehenge is actually very similar. A lot of people wonder, like, why is Stonehenge is built in the place that it is? And that's because there are two stones as part of the Stonehenge formation that have just always been there naturally. And it's Sarsen Stone 16 and the heel stone of Stonehenge. And on the summer solstice, if you stand at one and look at the other, it's basically a barrel pointing at the sun uh, (laughs) during the summer solstice. So it's a very similar thing where like ancient humans had seen this connection between sky and earth. That's awesome. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask like, well, how do they know it's the summer solstice? Like, how do they know that that's, like, the, the longest day of the year? And it's like, well, duh, because the shadow reached, like, a, you know, a low point or a high point or whatever. But, um, so I, like, that. that's not a very good question. But, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot the second part of what I was going to say. doesn't matter. <laughs> I just think it's, I, I don't know. It is pretty amazing that, like, these people just pay attention enough and they find, like, it, it's it's obviously an important date, right? You know, summer solstice marks the longest day of the year. So, uh, and it's interesting that these people made monuments to it. Yeah. I mean, that's like, a, I mean, I think about the type of world these people are living in when they make this discovery. Like, the summer solstice is a more important, like, marker for measuring time mm-hmm. than, like, January 1st would be. Because right, there's, yeah. like, no significance to January 1st to these people. The, mm-hmm. the significance part is, like, how do we know... Th- that the cycle of earth has reset oh because we've come back to the longest day of the year days only get shorter from here and then they'll get longer until we get back to here again so that's how they measure time and and it kind of just shows you like it was more important back then to have this connection with like looking up at the sky and seeing the stars and mapping them out because they told a story about time passing and they helped you keep track of what was going on locally and um it's just not a view that we get in modern society we're not you know looking up at the sky as much one because of light pollution um and two because we've got you know other ways to measure time and we're stuck to a calendar Uh, but there may be something that we're missing or losing out on by not having the same type of connection um, with like earth and the sky and and the overall story of the planet so uh, my question to go along with this was just, do you have any significant personal memories or family stories around the stars or viewing the night sky? 
Yeah. Um, I remember when I was younger, I was probably like 14, 13 years old. We went up to, um, I believe it was in the UP up at Iron Mountain. And I mean, up there, there's no big cities around, obviously. And it's probably about as dark as you can get in Michigan, like closest to pitch black that you can get. And that night, the Northern Lights were very, very vibrant. And it was just, it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, I mean, the entire sky was green, just waving, green and blue. Um, and I mean, behind it, you could see all the stars. You could see, I mean, I felt like you could see part of the Milky Way. And it, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just awesome. It's probably the coolest thing I've ever seen, like yeah, live. That sounds awesome. <clears throat> But yeah, you, I don't think I'll ever um, forget that. Yeah. No, uh, that is unfortunately not the kind of thing that me and my family uh, did. But um, it did remind me of uh, a quote in a book <clears throat> that I like very much, uh, which I was just pulling up. But um, so like the fact that the light shines the head of this snake at, you know, just the perfect moment the, the one day of the year that the conditions are perfect remind me of a quote in fight club uh by chuck palinick yeah, i can never yeah. I, I never know how to pronounce it's that one name. of my favorite authors yeah. um yeah he's yeah. An, an amazing author author but i uh, the quote is i asked if tyler was an artist tyler shrugged what tyler had created was the shadow of a giant hand he said how at exactly 4 30 the hand was perfect the giant shadow hand was perfect for one minute and for one perfect minute tyler sat in the palm of perfection he had created himself one minute was enough tyler said a person had to work hard for it but a minute of perfection was worth the effort a moment was the most you could ever expect from perfection and that quote always resonated with me and as you can see, because you said this was prehistory, right? Like this, this, um, there's monument. some argument on how old this is. Mm -hmm. It's prehistoric. Um, and there's like some people that say it was either, um, you know, I can't remember the exact time periods, but there's two mm -hmm. arguments going on where one says it's kind of old and the other one says it's significantly older. It seems mm -hmm. like the one that says it's a bit older is probably right it looks like potentially what happened was that it was a structure that was maintained over a long period mm -hmm. of time so there was like moments of restoration and yeah, rebuilding okay. of it but the people who built that obviously held respect for what this day meant and the perfection was well worth the effort you know that you you had this signifier in uh not not only in in a, in a small way like you could do this on a smaller scale but this is such a grand scale for perfection but um just a, a minute of perfection, a moment of perfection is all you can really expect. And that kind of thing should be enough for us as humans. Because I know everybody wants their life to be perfect, but what exactly does that mean? You know, what does a perfect life look like? And I think that is uh, something that is just not worth like setting a goal for. You know, like a perfect life doesn't exist. But what does exist is a good life with moments of perfection here and there that you should that you should hold on to and cherish so like jordan's story about looking at the 
this guy with his parents and stuff like that is something that uh everyone should um either hold on to or try to create for their family friends and children stuff like that so yeah that's a great quote a good book too i just posted a picture of the of the uh this is drone footage of um or a picture uh, taken with a drone. And you can see the mound below, like in the mm-hmm. bottom half, that is the snake head with his mouth open over like a circular part, which is at the end, which mm-hmm. is, they're not entirely sure what the circular part for, was for. There's arguments that it might like be an egg or something, or yeah. it was likely just a place where they might have had like an altar or something where they did their solstice ceremonies or who knows what was there. But the, the open part is the snake mouth. And... Mm-hmm. The little the sun's pretty bright in this screenshot because it's right as the sun's setting, but there is a little niche in the hill that the sun sits in perfectly, and you can see it's perfectly aligned with the head of the, the snake yeah. on top of that cliff. Um, as far as like my personal memories of uh, viewing the night sky, um, there was uh, there's this cabin that my family has on Chippewa Lake in Michigan, and we would often go out into the middle of the lake in the summer and shut off all the lights on the boat and anchor down and then just lay on the boat and look up at the night sky. Cause when you're in the middle of the lake, uh, you're kind of dipped down a little bit and there's ridges all around you. So you get almost no light pollution at all. And you can see just like Jordan was saying, you can actually see the Milky way when you have mm. no light pollution, there's a band of really thick stars that go over the top of the sky. And you, you can clearly say like, all right, this is actually the Milky way right here. And we would watch shooting stars and you could watch satellites move across the sky too. Um, and it was just really inspiring, uh, mm. to be able to see like so much of the night sky, so much more than you would typically see when there's a little bunch of light pollution. Um, and honestly, I haven't been able to see the sky like that again since being a kid, because even there, there's still more light pollution there was when I was yeah. younger. Um, mm-hmm. And also, just haven't had the opportunity to sit out on the lake in the middle mm-hmm. of the night <laughs> with all the lights off yeah. uh, in recent times. But would love to do that again, because it is awesome to see. Me, at, up at Mitch's cabin, we'll head there, and then we'll go like for night swims. And it's super cool and surreal to like lay in the water with your ears below so it's just like there's no sound and you're staring up at just the stars because it's it's pretty nice there but like the uh, the lights are really low on the north side of the lake there so uh you can see quite a bit and it's it's good times it's real surreal and it's nice yeah well anyway that's uh that's serpent mound for you yeah, go man. get uh connected with some celestial bodies <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for sharing, man. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, that about wraps it up. Join us again next time where we do it all again. And remember, as Snoop Dogg says, it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Bye. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for another episode of Today I Would Like to Share. Yeah, and make sure you look us up on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast app of your choice. Once you find us and give us a listen, please leave us an honest review of what you think of the show. You can do so at Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Or send us an email at contact at blamoindustries.com. That's contact at blamoindustries.com.